What's up, guys? Paul from Golfers Authority, and welcome to the Behind the Golf Brand podcast. This week, we have a new brand coming to the, to the space. Um, I met at the PGA show, was just blown away by their shoes, and just uh, they make awesome shoes. We actually done an unboxing with them a couple of weeks ago, and I actually been wearing the shoes out on the course. But without further ado, I have my good friend Steve Gray from Duke of Del Cosma Shoes. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to talk about our company. So usually when I start talking to brands, the way I always start them off is I always ask like, you know, I want to know who these people are I'm talking to on the phone. And I always, my first question I always ask is, you know, what's your story, right? But I want to know more what, who's like, what's your story, Steve? Like how, what's your story in the industry and, and how did you end up at Duca del Cosma? Well, yeah, it's, it's it's a long story, so because uh, I've been doing this for uh, a really, really, really long time. Way back, I was your typical uh, going back to high school. High school golfer went to college, played golf there, and then uh, became a PGA golf professional for a, a large number of years, doing what PGA golf pros do uh, at some different types of facilities uh, through my apprenticeship, and then eventually uh, private country club. Etc. And did that for a uh, for ten uh, twelve years. Wow. Uh, then at that uh, at that point, um, I decided to make a change. Uh, as you're aware, there's lots of hours as a golf pro, not a lot of family time. So I thought it would my interest with my family was growing at that point in time. Uh, that uh, I would try my hand on the sales side of the golf industry. So I became an independent sales rep. Went to the PGA show without a job. <laughs> handed out my resume, uh, did it the hard way, and uh, and got started in the got started in the industry as an independent golf sales rep. That's awesome. So you literally yeah. just went out to the PGA show and was like, "Hi, I'm Steve," and then started talking to brands, gave me a resume, and that's kind of how you got your. Somebody gave you a chance. Right? Yeah, someone. Yeah, someone gave me a chance. It was back. Uh, most of your listeners uh, may not remember Links Golf. L Y N X, right? L Y N X Links Golf. I had, yeah. They make clubs. I mean, do they make clubs? Yeah. They make clubs. Uh, Carl Ross was the gentleman who owned the company. Uh, he was a uh, hunter, went to Africa a lot, and uh, hence sort of the name Lynx Golf. And he, he was an interesting individual because he made clubs for the public. He did not make clubs for tour players. It had nothing to do with the tour. Matter of fact, that was his badge of honor that no tour player would play with his clubs because his clubs weren't made for a guy who was going to shoot 68. His clubs were made for a golfer that was going to shoot 98. And um, so he had a lot of innovations uh, in his golf clubs, you know, casted golf clubs, et cetera, uh, back in the day. What year was this? Yeah, that was was back uh, late 80s. His big heyday was late 80s and early 90s is when he really – was big. He was a big, he was a, Lynx was a big brand uh, at that point in time. I remember uh, them. I mean, he had, Lynx, he had a club called Lynx Predator, which was a low profile club, you know, a little shallower club head, a lot of weight in the bottom, allowed the golfer to get the ball in the air. So he made clubs. He actually made a hybrid club, a metal and a wood club really? at the time. Yeah. A real forerunner for what we see today. So he was quite innovative in his in his design and how he did business in the marketplace. So 
What year did you get on with Lynx then? Would you? Oh, uh, that would have been eighty. Boy, it goes way back. Probably eighty-five or eighty-six. I bet the PGA show was a lot different back then too. PGA show was a lot different, <laughs> a lot smaller. Matter of fact, it was. Uh, um, there was not the building across the street. There was not the grandiose building that we have today. It was just one third that size when it started. Oh my gosh, that, that place was is huge. Right. I mean, yeah. it's massive. I it's mean, that mistake, lots of, I mean, on past episodes, I talk about how I literally walked back and forth all during the PGA show because I wasn't, I wasn't aware that it was that big. Like it's, yeah. it's massive. It's, it's massive. Like, yeah. I think, I think that city. building is, is actually a mile long. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. So and, uh, you got on with links and yep. then how long were you, so what, how long were you on with links for and what did you do? Oh, did you just I was, travel? Yeah, I was with, yeah, with links uh, for a few years and then as an independent rep, you, you add lines and you add companies and companies come and go good or bad. And you try to, you know, get your formula uh, to get your formula together, which is the, the best formula for you. Yeah. Uh, time and, um, so that, that's what you're always trying to find as an independent sales rep. But that eventually, that all really led me to, uh, to Reebok. Oh, um, wow. Cool. Yeah, that, le- that led me to Reebok. And Reebok back in the day had signed an agreement with Greg Norman to just wear their logo on their shirt, on a shirt. Wow. He wore slosses of shirts and had a Reebok logo on the sleeve. They made no golf product at all. Not a single thing. Really? I never knew yeah. that. Holy smokes. They didn't have a thing. And they had Greg Norman for a couple of years. And at that point in time, Reebok worked out of sales agencies across the country. They did not they did not manage it corporately. So they had sales agency. And there was a sales agency here in Cincinnati that that managed Reebok for this region, you know, Ohio, Kentucky, Michigan, et cetera. And so they were in the, you know, Reebok was in the process of always getting started in golf. And it actually took them a long while. So my entry into Reebok was I actually got hired by the sales agency here locally to, to work for the agency to sell Reebok golf. And so I was the one, I was in the first crew uh, of Reebok uh, sales reps that they hired in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what year was that, would you say? Uh, boy, that Early goes 90s? back. Yeah. Mid, yeah. Uh, Mid nineties. Yeah. That they got, that they got started. Maybe late nineties. They finally you know, got their act together and got the brand off the ground. So I was, yeah, so I was with Reebok and obviously I had other, I had other brands, but um, I just really felt at the time that uh, actually I was working for Callaway at the time. Oh, really? <laughs> Callaway golf was my club line. But yeah. A friend, uh, a friend of mine in Michigan knew Dick Helmstetter, which was Ely Callaway's right-hand man. Dick Helmstetter actually was the he was in charge of the hickory shafted clubs because Dick Helmstetter had originally made, he originally made pull cues was his expertise. So he really knew a lot about the, uh, the, the wood shafts. So my friend calls me, says, buy a ticket to California. We're going to go meet with Callaway golf. Said, I don't want to go to Callaway. I don't want to fly to California, meet with Callaway golf. I don't think hickory shafted wedges are the way to go (laughs) (laughs) in the, in the industry. So he, but he persuaded me that, uh, that Callaway Golf was going to have a new product that was going to be out there. So we flew out, met with Ellie Callaway, uh, had dinner with him at La Costa, oh uh, right down the road. And, um, uh, and he hired uh, my friend and I to be 
independent sales reps to go say, go sell the Callaway uh, Golf Club brand. And that time was the introduction of the S2H2 iron that they had. Still one of the best irons they've ever, ever made. <laughs> Why they went away from it, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so I did work for Callaway Golf at the at the same time uh, that I was. You're independent, right? So as independent, independent sales yeah, rep, you, you just uh, you're yeah. gun for hire, like gun for hire. Yeah, yeah, you're a mercenary. You're like, hey, I'm you know, exactly. I got the skills, and you guys can. I'm out. There. I'm, not, I'm not. A, I'm not working for just for one company. You know, that's, that's right. really it, cool. Yeah, can't make it just on uh, uh, one company. And then Callaway was getting started. People didn't know a lot about Callaway at that point in time. Uh, but they really had a good product. They had a good iron. Everybody knew Reebok, uh, certainly. Um, if it wasn't, at that time, it was, you know, nip and tuck with, with Nike. Yeah. Uh, who the biggest and the best was. And then, uh, so did that for a few years. And then there was sort of a crossroads where uh, Callaway wanted to go to their own company sales reps. And Reebok had just introduced Greg Norman apparel. <laughs> So I had, I had a tough decision to make. So I stayed with Reebok and Greg Norman. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. So I stayed with, uh, so I stayed with Reebok and Greg Norman, uh, great white shark enterprises. And that's when the shark came out and that's when he started playing well and the brand just exploded took off. Yeah. Straw hats were crazy everywhere. I still are. Right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're still the stand. It's still the standard and it comes to straw hats. I yeah. Mean, straw hats. That shark logo sold everything. And boy, some of those shirts were really ugly, but <laughs> they, um, he, he wore them well and he played well and he had it was the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Greg Norman had swagger and he looked good and, uh, he made the apparel look good. <laughs> yeah. I remember those. I had a lot of ugly clothes back in the nineties, a lot of, a lot of hot pink shirts. Yep. Um, yeah. what else? Oh, yeah. We know. actually, Just, we actually made a, uh, uh, we actually made a uh, golf shoe with a hot pink uh, insole inset in it, and orange and, and it's light. so 90s. That's like yeah, so, it's 90s. so 90s. Yes, I look but, at pictures uh, when I was because I I grew up in the 90s. Like I was in junior high and high school, and I look at those pictures. I'm just like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah, because <laughs> that was not cool, but it was cool back then. <laughs> that's right. It was, it was cool. That was cool back then. And if you put a shark on it. And the uh, shark wraparound shirt, the huge, big, white and black oh, shirts that, shirt. that had a shark on them, those were, you couldn't, you couldn't get enough of those. And, so like uh, pretty much you had two choices. You're like, well, I go to Callaway when they're starting to blow right. up or I could go with Reebok and Greg Norman while they're about to blow up. So it's like, yeah, it's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can't make it. I really can't make a good or bad decision here. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like, I have to make one decision, but it's not. Right. Well, then that was a, and that was just before Callaway launched Big Bertha, so there was no way of knowing. Before it exploded. Like, before it exploded, yeah. and I'm looking at I'm looking at Reebok at that time was like a billion dollar brand. I just kept saying, well, they're not going to lose. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, play, it's a somehow. risk. It's a risk analysis, right? It's like a risk well, analysis. Yeah, yeah, it's like well, it's one's more of a sure thing, you know. I got that. Right. And then, but I mean, still, it's like what a choice to be made, right? It's, yeah, I right. Think it's uh, yeah, choice to be made. So then <laughs> this I is why I love asking people their stories, especially about like golf, because like I love hearing how people like in this next generation. It's like people don't understand like best way of getting your foot in the door is just to go out there and talk to people, right? Like that's all it really comes. And it's like everything with technology nowadays is a little bit different. You know, it's like well, and I mean that's kind of how I grew my brand. It's when I went talk to people and that's what you did. I mean, you just went out and you. I mean, your whole catalyst was you going to the 
PGA show with a, with a, with a resume, right? Like, all um, right. Yeah. And then now it's like building and building and building, building and building. And you're not going to start with the, your dream job or the best job. And, uh, you know, you have to, you have to go build it. So that's what I was fortunate enough to be able to do is be able to get it. So I stuck, so I stuck with, uh, Reebok. And then there was another crossroads where Reebok came to us and said, well, you either need to work for Greg Norman or Reebok because we're splitting the, we're splitting the lines and you can't do both. And it was like, um, it really, I've been doing both here for a long time, highly successful. So they told us the shoe guys, because we had been originally Reebok shoe guys, that we were more hard good guys. And so we should stay with Reebok and they were going to take Greg Norman away because we really weren't soft goods guys. So I asked him, well, who was that guy that sold a million dollars worth of software last year for you in my territory with, with Greg Norman? <laughs> you know, it's like the bean counter trying to figure out like where to draw the line. Where like- to draw the line. So I stayed with Reebok and Reebok then signed John Daly. They, you know, John Daly was the guy. Uh, yep. John Daly, um, they signed, it reported the story was that they signed him the day after he won the PGA championship. They flew to Indianapolis that day to sign him the next day. That's how quick things happen. Yeah, now happened. it's like, we got to hurry. We got to get it. We got to get it. We got to get it. We got to get it done. So we had John Daly and then. Um, he became the spokesperson spokesperson for the Reebok line of footwear and apparel. And that line was less costly than Greg Norman. And that was their intention because they really wanted to take Greg Norman to, uh, to department store is where they were with that, that brand. And, and then Reebok golf was going to go to golf, golf retail and golf shops. And, um, so they, so, but all along they had been, they had been more and more successful each year with golf footwear. Reebok each had year, been. Yeah, Reebok had, yes. They had so, been more so, and more successful. So this is like probably mid to late 90s, right? Like, yep. Like 97, yeah. Yeah. 8, 9. Through, yeah, through the, yeah, the, the, the 90s, all that was going on. So pretty much Reebok had to make a choice. Like, so they, they split up. I didn't know any of the history. I love learning the history of like, products and golf. I think it's fascinating. So at the time they wanted to, they split off Greg Norman because they wanted to put him in like big box retail and malls and stores, whatever, not just golf shops. And, and so they split that off. Then they signed up John Daly and it's less of a price point. And then they were going to have him more in the golf shops. And I mean, yeah, golf shops and, and, and golf specialty stores. Yeah. And catalogs and right. this is all like early internet internet was barely even around yet so Correct. This is not there's, even, no, yeah, there's no internet interest at all in that business there's no e-commerce there's nothing no e-commerce right. it was yeah it was all the uh vast number of golf specialty stores which were many there was pro golf around the country at hundreds and hundreds of stores all the small golf retailers there wasn't uh dicks and galaxy and all these little independents or regional regional uh right. golf stores like you see that kind of nowadays right where they kind of come together some of the more regional like just to sell like worldwide golf shops right like that's vans yeah i mean and, the worldwide's big yeah yeah it's big but they, they take all these stores and they you know made it yep. big because they're like oh let's take the regionals and put them all together cuz i mean in arizona we had bands and uh right another place they on I can't yeah. remember but yeah so they yeah, so they so that was the day of the golf specialty store and and we were highly successful being able to sell that Reebok brand into the stores 
a, a, I was at a golf course, a public golf course, a 36 hole golf course and the pros explaining to me why golfers will not buy the Reebok golf footwear. Really? The golfers just are not going to buy an, an athletic shoe brand. Not going to happen. So as I'm sitting there talking to him in his pro shop, uh, for it's a municipal golf course, 36 holes, real big, lots of rounds. Four golfers walk up to the cash register. And he doesn't see them, and I ask him to turn around and look at the golfers. He casually looks. Yeah, what do you want me to look at? I said, well, turn around and look at them. He does again. I said, well, now turn around and look at them and look at their feet. All four guys had Reebok shoes on. <laughs> he turned around and looked at me, and he says, I guess I'm going to have to buy a Reebok golf shoes. No, yep. <laughs> yeah, you're going to skip the number one brand in the world right now and not have it in your shop. That would not probably be a good decision. That's a good sales flow. Like, yeah. like, it's like, and then I went outside and I paid the guys off. Exactly. <laughs> Those guys drove, then I, I paid for the round. Yeah, they drove everywhere I went. Correct. Uh, yeah. They were in the back of the van. They were in the back of the van. I just sent them in. to, to Back of the Astro out. van, driving across the Midwest. Just. Uh, right. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, Reebok was a shoe company. And uh, it did a lot of re- a lot of shoe research. They had their research building, and uh, they genuinely tried to make uh, a really good product that was uh, for the athlete. These shoes are going to do something for you. They're not just shoes; they're going to work. If you're walking too, like if you're walking yeah, a lot, exactly. like yeah, you're going to walk in these shoes. You're going to wear them all day, and um, you know that that really gave me a great background in shoe construction and you know why shoes do what they do why they make them the way they make them and why light golf shoes aren't necessarily good shoes we we always equate oh those are light well yeah they're light are they going to work <laughs> you're, you're not at a picnic yeah. you're going to go walk five miles over hill and dale you might want those shoes to actually work to be super comfortable yeah yeah and be and, and perform and yeah, and work. Yeah, because you know, uh, golf is a uh, uh, you know, like a lot of sports, it's a it's a walking forward motion sport, uphill and downhill. So you need to support you know your foot in those directions. But it's a lateral sport, much like tennis. Uh, I mean, if you're going to swing 100 miles an hour, and if you watch, uh, you know, the golfers watch Bryson DeChambeau and watch all the footwork uh, of all those players, that shoe takes a beating. And if that shoe yep. is very flexible, it isn't going to work. It just does not give your foot support when you make that swing. Really? Yeah, because yeah. the twisting and the, you know. The, yeah. When a golfer swings, they're supposed to roll over onto their left foot. That foot rolls. And if that shoe torques and doesn't hold your foot in place, that's a that's a tough balance issue for you. Yeah, for sure. So... What year was that, would you say, then? All yeah, so that, that, well, that really, so I worked for a number of years, and that led me really to 98, 99. When was the Ryder Cup at, uh, in Boston? Oh, at, uh, I can't remember. I can look when, it up. Crenshaw won, when the Crenshaw team won. Well, that, that, that year, Reebok Golf, or Reebok Corporation, decided that it was going to close its less. 99. Uh, it was a 99. 99. Yeah. I just they, were going to, they were going to close their less profitable divisions because their, their main shoe divisions weren't doing well. So hiking, biking, outdoor, and golf. So they, they, they actually closed a $30 million business because it wasn't good enough. Oh, my gosh. Today, 
golf uh, companies would kill to do that kind of business. Yeah. Yeah. So they plan for a year. Uh, and, and, and in that interim of time, I, I sort of skipped that. I actually left the golf sales rep business and became a sales manager at, at Reebok. Oh, wow. So I moved from the sales side, and that's how I got to the management side. I became a regional sales manager uh, for Reebok. And so I was working, you know, helping the sales reps in the East and seeing the major, the major accounts, uh, like Dick's Sporting Goods. That was, you know seeing those types of accounts with Reebok and managing that business. So that was my, that was my full-time job uh, at that point in time. And then I said, Hey, we're not going to sell golf shoes no more. We're not, we're going to close the business. <laughs> so because we're not making enough year, money. We're not, it's not basketball. And... Correct. It's not basketball. It's not track. Exactly. So we're I mean, going to get out. So at the end of the year, we're going to close the business. So be, you need to be looking for a job. you got all year to do it. So start 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 looking for a job because oh the company's gonna there all these jobs are gonna go away. Um, and I was fortunate that uh, a past Reebok employee uh, that I knew he had moved on to Ashworth, oh, and nice. I just I just transitioned from one day to the next from working for Reebok to being a regional manager for Ashworth. You're like peace out, next job. <laughs> next job, yeah. I left That's the thing too because. It's like yes. people don't realize because I didn't realize this as well. I honestly did not know this, but like the golf world is very, very, very small, right? It's a very oh. small. I mean, you think, oh, it's massive. No, it's like teeny, like because and everybody knows each other in some weird way, and it's just don't burn bridges, like you know, and like be cool with people. And I think I'm, I don't know. And then there's like perfect, another perfect example. So a friend of yours was at Ashworth and was like, hey, come over here, you know, right. Yeah, we're gonna need uh, we're gonna need regional managers and uh, and our competitors going away completely. Competitors, <laughs> yeah, they're they're going away. And, and you know the so, market, and you know the region, and yeah, that's right. You already know all these people, so we're just gonna do that. So I was fortunate to go to the number one golf apparel brand at that time uh, in the business. So that was a an easy that was an easy transition. <laughs> wasn't hard at all. That wasn't hard. That wasn't a hard. That wasn't a hard. That wasn't a hard decision to go there. But uh, so that um, so I worked at uh, so I worked at Ashworth for a few years, and then an old opportunity from a company that I'd worked for in the past Gear for Sports, um, which is in Kansas. You have some gear. For, everybody's got something from Gear for Sports in their closet. Really, you don't know it. Have you ever bought a sweatshirt at a bookstore? Oh, I did. Lots of them in college. That's a Gear for Sports item right there. They are the number one collegiate provider of T-shirts and sweatshirts and decorated items uh, pretty much in the country. And, and at that time, certainly they were. Um, and um, they wanted me to um, um, come and, uh, and manage their resort destination business. A little bit out of golf. Resort destination is anywhere you go on vacation and you buy something for a remembrance of having been there. Okay. Like you buy a sure. t-shirt, you buy a hat, you buy a sweatshirt, you buy a jacket, and it says Hilton Head on it. That's what Gear for Sports did. Oh my gosh! And their stuff and Gear for Sports product was always the most expensive. We we sold we sold at wholesale price what other companies were selling their sweatshirt for at retail. It's because they already because I'm look I went to the website for Gear for Sports. It's like they're yeah. cheap. I mean they're a big company. Like you know, is it, now Hanes owns them. It says. Correct. 
but like you know it's champion and it's all those and it's like oh yeah i had a champion shirt you know like you know, right it's well they're, they're really a they're really a decoration company they really do great decoration print and embroidery and art and uh, they're just a, a, an efficiency machine at doing that and distribution um, and distribution yeah. the whole the whole thing um and then over the years, they've evolved. I mean, they uh, they acquired the Under Armour license to do decorated Under Armour. So if you see Under Armour at a golf shop, that's from Gear for Sports, which is now owned by Haynes, which they also do the same for Champion. That's crazy. It's... Yeah. So Haynes owns them, and they have the Gear for Sports brands, Under Armour brands, and Champion brands. Wow. And they do all the decoration on those products. Like the screen printing and the embroidery and like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in the embroidery. Um, so that was a uh, that was a move for me um, to Kansas. My family stayed here in Ohio, so I worked there for a few years, and that that just ran its course <laughs> of not living at home. Yeah, uh, the apartment, the apartment of your dreams, the apartment of my dream, <laughs> and just flying um, home on Friday, come, leaving on Monday night. Exactly that. So that got that got to be tiring, and, and so old. Yeah. and old and. Um, that was back 2004, probably in that neighborhood. Um, and then I decided to come back here and then start my own business model, which is at, which was actually the Gray Sales Group. And I just became an independent sales manager. Oh, that's cool. Rather than an independent sales rep, I didn't want to go back to being a sales rep. I had all the contacts. I had all the experience. Uh, I knew a lot of sales reps across the country. So I just went to smaller companies uh, and said, you know, maybe more arrogantly than I intended. Uh, you can't, you can't afford me, but you cannot afford not to have me. Exactly. You need a manager. You need to know. You need these skills, but you certainly can't afford me full time. So I'll work part time for you and other companies at the same time. And so that's what I've done for since probably 2004. Oh my gosh, it's kind of cool because what you did is like you built. You know, you know, many years of industry experience plus the connections plus like just the how day to day how to right, and right. I, and a lot of these smaller and it still it still occurs today right small and mid sized yeah. brands you know if they have a really good product they just can't get it out in the marketplace. Yeah, they you know they, they often they're often they're an entrepreneur that has a has a good idea that has a good product but they don't necessarily come from golf heritage they have some skills, but they really don't have the connections, the management skills, the, the depth of understanding of the industry, and thus they need someone to do it, but they, they, you know, they can't afford that. They can't afford that qualified person. So depending on what, and it, it's been, geez, maybe a hundred different companies over the years. And then I would do other smaller projects uh, for companies as well. Uh, if a company just wanted to hire sales reps and me not manage, I would just go hire sales reps for them. I'd find them and hire sales reps. And that would be a, that might be a one-off project that I would do for a month or two. And then I, that's all I would do for them. And then I would be gone. So that, that was good because there, there's always new startups in golf. There's no time. People, always, all the time. Uh, there, there wasn't a lot of people who did what I did. There are a few, uh, but not a lot. And uh, so that was really just uh, the diligence of finding those individuals and finding the need of those individuals and, you know, what, what they needed, you know, at a, per, at a certain point in time. So that's, that's what I've done until uh, that really leads me to, uh, uh, to Duca del Cosma, 
I had seen Duca at the uh, the PGA show, and you know Duca Del Cosmo has been there for three years in a row. Um, this last year of January of twenty, I had I had seen them and talked to them briefly in nineteen uh, January of nineteen, and they weren't ready to enter the U.S. market at that point in time. They had looked at it, they'd been to show, they were doing exposure, gathering information, doing what they needed to do to do their due diligence uh, to get here. And they had uh, they had hired an individual to help them in that process, much like what I did. Transitioning to over this, over yeah, the transitioning, ocean. you know, sort of get them started in that in that infrastructure uh, infrastructure time. And then this January, that position, if you will, uh, there really wasn't a need for it, and that individual was moving on to different projects because that's not what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were looking for uh, they were looking for someone to. Uh, manage the United States. And they were looking for their title. They were looking for a CEO. uh, Of the United States. Of the United States, of North America. Yeah. Uh, Well, I certainly didn't have CEO credentials because I've not been a CEO uh, of companies. Although, you know, at one time I managed $25 million worth of business for a company. So I had a pretty good idea what we needed to do. But I met with them uh, and they were very gracious to meet. And then um, I really just sold them on that they needed me, that they needed what I knew. Uh, they needed uh, a salesperson and a sales. In the U.S. Manager. Yeah, in the U.S. US. Not you know, not not CEO uh, type of thing. Uh, I really hit it off with them. I really, I really liked. They're very uh, I nice. Liked, I mean, they're very, very nice people. Like I met them at the show, and I was like, "Oh, these are really nice people." Yeah, like they, yes. Uh, you know, for those listening, Duca del Cosmo, we are an Italian fashion brand. Italian fashion golf footwear, um, but we're a Netherlands-based company. So uh, the Dutch, which is really nice, their second or first language is English, along with Dutch. So it was easy to get along, but uh, really nice, uh, really great corporate atmosphere. Very, very nice people, uh, very down to earth, very straightforward. They're very honest, very frank in what they tell you. And um, uh, that worked well for me. I, I told them what I felt that I could do, and uh, I loved what they were doing uh, in footwear. The fact that they had they had a compelling point of difference. They just weren't saying, "Well, geez, we just got a golf shoe. Would you like Would you like to buy it?" They had a compelling point of difference, and the compelling point of difference was really their their fashion of the footwear. I mean, it's a it's a it's an Italian fashion footwear company, and so. I, you know, I said, you know, that, that's, that, that's something I can get behind that, that, that makes sense to me, what they're doing. And so we, uh, we talked back and forth and I started, um, officially working for them full time in March of this year. So, so tell, tell like the audience, like what, well, kind of how Duca del Cosma started. You know, like I know they're they're a European brand and they've been building traction. And but this year they've really just like I mean, even with COVID, they've just like yeah, we just up. yeah. I mean, they yeah, blew cool. up in the U.S., which they deserve. Yeah. You know, like a wholeheartedly. Like I have a pair. I'm mean, hold on a second, but yeah. uh, I'm gonna grab. I have a like I have a pair right here. So yeah, I mean, they're just like I don't know if you can see them on my screen, but there's mine. Oh yeah, that's that's a pair of Monterosas. I mean, they're sick. I mean, they're yeah. so cool. They are they are very nice shoes. I mean, well, our, yeah. Well, our, our story is a is a very interesting uh, story. Baldovi, Baldovino Mazziazzo, 
an Italian apparel designer. A German guy. <laughs> yeah, well, no, actually, his significant other, Angela, she was German. Oh. Um, she was a designer, and they were avid golfers, and they and they, they looked at golf shoes, and they go, these are really boring. They're all white, black, and gray. There's nothing interesting about them. Uh, they look like boats, and we can do a lot better. So uh, they set out to create a fashion brand uh, in the marketplace and selected the name Duca del Cosma. That's the Duke of Cosma, an area in Italy. Um, it doesn't have any other really significant reason. But cool name. Cool name. Yep. Cool logo. Italian fashion brand, Duca del Cosma. And then they were on their way. And they were really, you know, no pun intended, they were really creating out-of-the-box designs. I mean, these designs are not what you were seeing from golf then or now. And um, so they won many international awards uh, for a number of years, kept growing the business, growing the business. Um, in and Europe, then, right? And, in Europe, yeah, yeah, in Europe throughout Italy. Yeah. Nothing, a little bit here in Florida in the United States, but not very much. It's, it's just, just hard. It's hard for a brand to come across the ocean. Like, very, I talk very, to so many very, brands very, and I'm like, seriously? Like, oh yeah, it's so hard. Like, It's, it's so hard. It's just so difficult. But th- then what, what really came to light was in, in 2015, uh, Frank Von Wuzzle, um, had always worn the shoes, loved the brand, loved the idea. Uh, Frank uh, was able to acquire Duca del Cosma. Now, Frank is the was the founder of uh, High Tech Shoes, and High Tech is still a major shoe brand in the world, outdoor shoes. And at one time, uh, they had High Tech golf shoes. But um, Frank had sold High Tech, uh, but loved loved golf shoes. Owned he owned some other brands, Magnum, Interceptor, and Fifty Peaks some other international brands around the world. So he purchased Duca del Cosma, and then he applied his significant shoe experience to, in these few short six years, uh, to grow the brand to being distributed in 30 countries around the world. Um, New international headquarters in the Netherlands, brought in key, kept Baldovino, kept Anjay. They're still the creative design of the company. So the the uh, design the doesn't change. Yeah, the design doesn't change. The innovation and the cool the innovation, style. nothing changes. Um, but he just brought the experience, and our our, our CFO of the company uh, is a twenty year, twenty five year more experience uh, gentleman who owned footwear production companies who manufactured shoes. So everybody within the company has a tremendous amount of shoe experience and understanding why and how. So it's like a startup. But with people that know what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> Start up with people who've already done it. Many, yeah, many exactly. So, yeah, it's not like, right. oh, well, this is a good idea. Let's try this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we know what we're doing. So we're going to build this brand. And then this was their plan all along to get to the U.S. And this was to be our grand launch um, starting in March. Um, we, uh, our distribution center is in uh, near Atlanta. Uh, our corporate office is in North Palm Beach. Um, which never got open because the COVID virus hit and everybody from the Netherlands had to go home oh and they gosh. have not been able, they've not been able to return since. Now I've visited a few times, but, uh, um, so we're running operations really, um, logistically from the Netherlands with our, with our distribution center in Atlanta and, and myself here in the United States. And so that's, um, uh, so that's really, uh, that was our, introduction into the u.s this year so what made you want to join them like what you thought was so cool 
you know, well, with, your, with your industry experience in shoes, like what, what made you think, wow, this is really cool. I want to be part of this. Well, it, it first was the, the fashion look. Um, it, it was a little out there. Uh, there were a few shoes I looked at. Oh, I'm not going to wear that shoe, but boy, I would really wear that one. And, and when you analyze that on the surface, no one else is doing any of those things. It's not FootJoy. It's not Nike. It's not an athletic shoe brand. We're not making boring gray mesh golf shoes for Dustin Johnson. That's, that's, you know, so we had, we had that compelling, we really had that compelling point of difference in the fashion side of it. And then when I really examined the brand further and really looked at it, the, the next part that struck me, and I've always been associated with quality brands and quality companies, and you, you've got a pair of shoes there. The, the quality is just off the charts. Even the box that you got those shoes in, yeah, it's really that's nice. like no one else's box. Those are leather shoes. Those are leather lined, um, our shoes. So when I, when I examined the quality and found out the story, um, you know, we make all of our shoes in Europe uh, by family-owned companies in Portugal. So they care when they make a shoe that it turns out right. Not mass production. Of That's why I love these European shoe companies because I work with a couple. I work with yeah. you guys. I work with uh, Royal Albert Ross. I work yeah. with Lambda. Um, yeah, they and, of those. Yeah, and like you know, this is the quality of those European shoes. It's like these are not shoes made in China. You know what I mean? Like correct. They're, like they're these not- are like handmade, nice shoes. You know, you get what you pay for. Right. And like, that's what I, that's my opinion. I don't know. That, that is it. That's exactly it. So it was the, the fashion and then it was the quality of the product. When you just pick it up, feel it, touch it, actually smell it when you open the box. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, I mean, I mean, on the screen, it looks, I know it's on a camera, but like it's super soft. Right. right. I mean, the design is like cool. I mean, it's the best yeah. way I can describe it. Like there's no detail that was missed. You know, they, didn't, they didn't skip over it. It's like, they really right. did a good job making a quality shoe that looks cool, but it's functional. It's functional. Yeah. So we pay it to, yeah, we do pay attention to all the details. We put an Italian flag on the tongue. I know I love to, it. To make our, to, mar, to, to match our brand. Uh, we put two color shoelaces in every shoe. So That's you right, can yeah. decide which color shoelace do I want? Do I want to be a little, you know, a little more fashion or a little less? But all the detailed stitching and sewing, and you can really see it in the shoes. Yeah, uh, when you examine them. Um, so the the fashion, and then it was the quality. And then when I learned about the performance of the shoes, and I think when the customers go to our website, uh, the viewers, um, dukadelcosma.us, um, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a video there, a little bit about the company and about how we make the shoes. So when you see the shoe making process of how many hand steps and people hand sewing shoes, and uh, we use in our waterproof shoes, we actually use a waterproof sock that goes inside the shoe that's seam sealed. And most shoe companies don't do that anymore. That's too expensive. So when we say our shoe's waterproof, it's waterproof because it's, it's got a full booty liner inside that shoe like another shoe that is breathable and waterproof. Um, down to the leather linings of the shoe, uh, we have a special insole in the shoe called Iron Flex. A-R-N-E, uh, it's also cork-lined, it won't compress. So when we looked at, wait a minute, these guys have fashion shoes, they have the best quality that I've seen, they have all the performance aspects of every technical shoe made by the other athletic footwear brands. This shoe is made more technically sound 
than than their shoes. These look yeah. good. I mean, like that's I, the El Dorado. Yeah, that that's that's the more conservative, good player, serious player shoe. Yeah, that, I mean, like I will scroll down, but like yeah, it looks there you go. It looks really good. I mean, yeah, those two shoes won our Golf Digest Award, La Spezia and Festiva. Festiva is the women's counterpart to Monterosa. Um, oh, it is. We were, Yep. It does we look a little, little bit like it, yeah. Yeah, we were a little surprised they chose both of our white golf shoes, but that just shows how incredible our fashion is that we won with white golf shoes. Yeah, white. I mean, when just that's white. not your main thing. Like, like no, your little yellow. Two. Yeah. yeah, like, those are really cool. Those yeah, those are, yeah. Camelot is a, Camelot's cool. a good seller. Cognac color has been huge for us in the U.S. There's not many yeah, of the athletic really brands that, that make brown shoes. So, brown shoes... Uh, but you can see the detail there uh, of how well the shoes made, the stitching, the eyelets, um, everything about it. Um, the thing about the shoes, and, and this is my opinion, is, I mean, yeah, it's a golf shoe. And yeah, you can wear it on the course, but you can wear this to work. You know what correct. I mean? Like, like you wear the khaki pants. It looks like a nice modern shoe you would buy at a major retailer. Yeah, you that's, know? That's, that's a Nordstrom's That's a Nordstrom's, that's a Nordstrom's shoe. shoe. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. And you're exactly right. And we have many pictures. You, you, and most people do where a lot of people buy our shoes and they, they may not play golf in them. They may wear them for fashion. Oh, that's but, cool. So, you know, that's Monterosa and Cognac. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really neat. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great shoe to wear with khakis. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have the white one. I love the white one. I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, it's really cool. Yeah, that's cool. You see the two shoelaces in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then on the other side of it, I think you just flashed there the women's style shoes. Down um, below. Uh, well, you cl yeah, click yeah, the women's on the left. Um, but the, the women's models, um, we just didn't, you know, a lot of shoe companies, uh, we've got three shoes. Here they are. They're pink and blue and white, and they're done. Yeah. Um, if you look at ours, we have, uh, you know, 20 plus women's shoe models and colors, uh, and they're not ordinary by any means. No, they're uh, modern. And like they have the flare modern, modern high shoe. There's right. a European flair to it, but European, you know, it's yeah, still European a really flare. super cool. Right. Um, and it's like you said, it's not the baby blue, the light pink. It, it's, you know, right. it's not an yeah. afterthought. That's what I, you know, that's sort of, it's, you know, that's kind of the trend, right? It's an afterthought. Yeah, oh, yeah, correct. make a woman's and, shoe. And Let's think, make it blue or pink. Right, I think like, that's, no. a great, that, that's a great way to say it. You know, for us, the women's market's not an afterthought. We really work at it. Uh, we produce good-looking shoes uh, for them with fashion in mind. Um, uh, but moreover, uh, cool. Cuba, yeah, Cubana there. Um, cool. Here, you know, the zebra print has been big for us. Uh, animal cool. prints are big. Yeah. Um, we saw a lot of that. Uh, it's a great fitting shoe. You can wear that shoe anywhere. Uh, that, that's Festiva, um, you know, which is, which is a very nice, you know, good, uh, easy, casual shoe. Um, but, you know, we, we did uh, with the women's product as well. It has the same. There are some, there's right there, the California and the uh, shoe is a great shoe to wear with jeans. That's cool. That's, yeah. Yeah. But we produce, we, you know, the women's shoes are produced the same as the men, same features and benefits, same quality. We didn't lessen anything uh, for our women's line. It's just, just cool. So here's my story, Duca. Like when we were at the PGA show, it was like the last, second to last day, I think. I don't know. It was the last day. And I mean, I've been all over the place and I work with a lot of shoe brands. I mean, I work with a lot of shoe brands and I walked it to, I saw Duca out of the corner of my eye. There's their, um, you know, their location. And I, I was like, this, this is cool. And I was like, just stopped, you know, cause usually that's the first thing, right? Like I, it wasn't. And then I went over to talk to him. I was talking to 
is it i think her name is uh evelyn yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah evelyn she's so nice so as i talk to her i'm like these are really nice shoes holy and she's like tell me about the company i'm like wow these are these are gonna blow up these are really nice and yeah. um and that's how i started working with you guys um you know right after the pga show literally um, yeah but if you scroll and go by on the home page but yeah um on that home page if we if you scroll down to the very bottom that's where they can view the video um it's a great website too yeah right there yeah yeah if you click on that arrow that's what they can they can see uh a minute i'll be quiet if you want to let it play for a minute (laughs) not sure if we'll really hear it i can't quite hear the music but this is uh i'm gonna beat the sound so that if people see it right so we're doing yeah, right now, if you guys are listening to the show, is like it's they have a video on the site on literally how they make like every shoe right. and they're handmade. It's not like made in a factory in China. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, these are... there's the there's the waterproof booty that goes in the shoe. So you know, putting in the metal eyelets, you know, detailing, that's pulling the shoe over last. They gotta do that on every single shoe. They dry every shoe. I mean, too late to wax. It's like a work of art. I mean, there's a lot of time and money put in each one of these shoes. It's not like a you know, you get right. like I said before, you get what you pay for a hundred percent. And you know, you can see just by this video, like it takes a lot to Yeah, it takes a lot to make to, it takes a lot to make the shoes. So that's just a little, you know, how, how the shoes are how the shoes are made, that's uh, cool. et cetera. So that's um, really neat that you guys got on the hot list. It's like your first yeah, year, right? We, on the hot we list. Of hot list. We have a lot of awards in Europe, but uh, that's a uh this big year deal. just hot list award winner. Uh, that's that is that's a big deal for us. It's, I, don't know, I like your website too because it's very clean and it looks like, I don't know, what are they, I like what Yeah, very, very, very simple. We have yeah. a technology story that they can look at. They want to see how the shoes are actually, what the technology is in the shoes and, you know, they can learn about what we do. But as, uh, as I tell people, we are, uh, we are the real deal. The, you know, we're, we're, we are a shoe company. Uh, we make shoes and we know what we're doing. Um, we're no, not that's, cool. that's what I love about the podcast is because like, you know, I know a lot about the brands I work with, but I don't know a lot. I mean, I don't know about, you know, I get the di- how this whole podcast started was I have phone calls all the time with, I call, it's my friends. I work in the industry, right? But different brands and we talk about strategy and what's happening. And I'm like, you know what? As of the PGA show this year, and I was like, people would really love to hear this because I think they'd have a better appreciation, not for just the brand, but like just every, they want to know about it, you know? And I, and I feel it's a good way of, of just exposing brands to the wider audience. So, I mean, this is, I learned a lot yeah, today yeah. personally, cause I'm, I didn't know any of this stuff. So this is cool. Yeah, it, uh, it's good. And it, uh, you know, it helps them too when they're making a buying decision, regardless of what product to understand, you know, why, why am I doing this? Um, you know, uh, a few of our shoes like El Dorado, they're going to pick it up and they're going to go, well, that's heavy. Yes, it's heavy. It's heavy for a reason. It's a better shoe. It's all made out of, <laughs> it's all leather. There's no mesh in it. It has a TPU outsole. That's thermopolyethylene. That's the strongest, best material to make it out of. So um, that shoe is going to have the highest performance value for you when you play with that shoe. Other shoes that are mesh designed, yes, they're very light and they feel very comfortable. They don't offer a whole lot of support. They're, you know, they might be good to go to a picnic in. I'm not so sure they're good to play golf in all day. Um, so there's trade-offs and everything that, you know, the golfer has to look at. And uh, uh, so that's, you know, what we're trying to, 
to uh, you know with our shoes. So the the fashion, the fashion part, the quality, the performance, and then the comfort issue. We make comfortable golf shoes. They fit. We make great insoles. A lot of the comforts is designed into the shoe from its construction. And then I think our other strong attribute, what really brought me to the company, was the selection. It's it's not just one shoe. No, you guys have a lot of shoes. I mean, you probably have thirty SKUs at least. I can see of like you have a bunch. Yeah, we've got we've got a bunch of SKUs, and this is um, uh, this is only what we have here in the U.S. This is not every market's different. uh, in Europe, and um, we actually also have a catalog just for winter shoes. Oh, that's cool. Winter boots, winter golf boots, so you can play all winter. Really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, so those are cool. So, are they going to come uh, to the United States this year or what? Uh, those, not this year. No, there'll be no winter. There'll be no winter shoes this year. Are you sure? Because, I mean, the Masters sure, yeah. is going to get played in November. Well, that's right. <laughs> we, we should, but uh, our, uh, our, fellow, uh, our fellow Canadians have them. But we yeah. don't have to be in the U.S. yet. So, is it crazy <laughs> how much golf exploded this year? Like, I think it's great. It is. I mean, yeah, yeah like, rounds are way up. Yeah, rounds of golf are up. I think thirty-seven percent. National. That what golf. it is? Oh my gosh! I know a lot of people I talk to are are telling me we're sold out. I mean, I, I we can't. Get, this is the other thing too. What I like about you guys is like you guys make you have a distribution center in the United, the United States, right? You make yeah. the shoes in Europe. Yep. many brands make it in Asia, right? So like Correct. COVID hit is like complete lockdown with Asia for two months at least, right. right? So now it's like everyone's backlogged. They can't they can't get their product unless they want to pay a fortune um, air carrier handling, right? For shipping. Right. So it's like with you guys, like, well, we're in Europe. So, you know, yeah. it's a little bit easier. Well, and, we, and we were fortunate that we had, we were already looking ahead. We had inventory we already primed. Here. We already had inventory built and on the way and had it already here. So from that standpoint, we were in great shape. Yeah. So what's coming up for this year then with Duca that you can share? Yeah, well, we're, you know, right now we're, we're introducing the, the new shoes of this year. Most, most shops have not seen any of our shoes due to, you know, the COVID virus and the shutdown in many areas. So our sales team is, uh, is out uh, currently. Uh, pre-booking uh, for spring of next year. And uh, as soon as we all in the industry learn uh, about the PGA show, uh, that'll give us more direction as to uh, what what we introduce and as to when. So I don't, I'm kind of on the fence, right? I think it's a 50-50 chance. Before I was like, oh, there's no way in hell. And now I'm like, well, they might have it still because money talks. So, you know... I could see them still yeah, having it, it and everyone wearing masks. Like I could see them doing that because the industry needs the PGA show, right? They do. Yeah, so. the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the other the, the the other two major hurdles are uh, no one. The other companies from around the world can't travel there. Europe can't come to the United States. Asia can't come. So all the Asian companies and all the European companies they they can't be there. So. You know, Duca del Cosma, you know, it would be me because I'm already here, but our staff could not come from the Netherlands to here. Yeah. And it's like, that and way. then it's the question. It's like, yeah, I didn't think about yeah. that way because if you can't, yeah. if half your team can't come, right? I mean, right. a lot of companies are not just the United States. So, you know, if you can't come to the United States, then it's like, what's the point of, of getting a booth, right? Because you can't. Well, even- there, just, there, correct. There's that. There's that, and then there's a 
the PGA show to, to most people in that industry don't realize how much business to business is done there. Most companies, oh yeah, companies or whatever, they're, they're seeing all their Asian counterpart manufacturers to look at new fabric, to look at new designs, to look at innovation. And then none of the Asian countries will be here to show any of their fabrics and, you know, technology. Literally um, everybody's there. I mean, that's, I, that's everybody my, this, this is my there. first time. Last year was my first time going, right? And my father had gone before and like everybody's there. If, you, if you're a manufacturer, all your counterparts are there. Everyone's there to do business because this is a, they, and they're there for, a, they're not just there for the show. They're there for like a week, right? Because they have right. to see all the companies. And what was kind of cool, like you see, if you go, I mean, I saw this because my, you know, there's like that second floor and you can look down yeah. like those right. like, like tunnels or whatever. You can see, you know, there's so many, you don't realize that business is happening. There's buyers there. There's, you know, for fabric. I mean, it's like the whole, I don't know. It's yeah, not... I mean, you, you know, you're absolutely, and then you have the, the other side of the business, which is the social selling side. Every one of those major hotel lobbies every night is filled. Oh, packed. Everybody, everybody is in there doing business. In some I, way, yeah, another, for sure. I mean, you're meeting with somebody that you saw at the show, say, Hey, I'll meet you for a drink. Let's go over this. Let's go over that. And then um, introductions probably, are being made. Probably, and right. like, yeah. You probably can't get a uh, hitting spot at uh, um, Top Golf right now if you tried for that week. No. That they're all sold out. Oh, yeah. So, it's like, yeah. I, I, I think it's a 50 50 chance, but I don't know how they're going to do it. I just, I don't know. They canceled the one in Las Vegas, didn't they? I canceled, they, they canceled Las Vegas. So, yeah. um, and then there's then there's the other the last factor you know will the buyers come you know will they will they travel and oftentimes a lot of pros are traveling from the northeast and the midwest down to play golf for a week uh, go to PGA classes or take their family to Disney so are they going to do that that's the hell you know, so we don't I, know. Like, I think it's a fifty fifty chance I just I don't know yeah. before I was like there's not a chance in hell but now I'm like. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, we're, yeah, we're hoping because we want to, because we yeah. got a lot of exciting yeah. things to talk about. I don't know. I hope it does. It was fun. I mean, it, it was, to me, I was more excited about seeing my friends and then doing business. And I wasn't even doing business. I was just like walking around, talking to brands and meeting people finally. So I don't know. I hope they have it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. If we do, you and I can meet up and have a drink. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> or two. Yeah. Well, great, Steve. Well, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. Um, you know, Duca Del Cosma, I, I, like I said before, I really liked what they, I, I liked their shoes the first moment I saw them. Um, they're a great company, you guys. And they come out with some really cool, uh, innovative shoes that are well-made. Um, it's not some cheap stuff. And you definitely... If you're looking for something that's like cool, but still functional and works like on the course and off, then you need to check that out. And so I just want to say thank you for being on the show today, Steve. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully all the viewers will get to dukadelcosma.us and take a look at the shoes. Cool. They will. Because I'll make them. All right. All right. <laughs> well, great. Well, thank you so much. All right. Very good. Thank you.